0: You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at Eastsidesf.com. Now enjoy today's sermon. So I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles tonight in 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. 2 Corinthians chapter number 5 and um, as you saw there we're in brazil peru colombia in brazil we speak portuguese Uh, our boys used to call it pork and cheese when they were little and uh, then in the peru and the the uh, colombian side we speak spanish and uh, so if i start speaking in tongues tonight you'll know why Uh, because uh, we get confused sometimes but they say that portuguese is spanish with a head cold so uh, sometimes it's a little bit easier to switch in between the two uh, when we were first in language school our teacher told us you know when you are learning the language you need to get out and use it and uh, so uh, me and my wife went to a little a luncheonette there and I wanted to order french fries and the way you say that in Portuguese is batata frita and uh, the only thing is I said quero barata frita, uh, barata means roach, I ordered fried roaches believe it or not uh, but I'm just thankful they didn't have it on the menu but but uh, God is good, and uh, God has helped us in many ways all these many years. And a lot of that is due to you and your prayers and your faithfulness to us. So praise the Lord uh, for Eastside Baptist Church. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet, and we're going to read God's Word in 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. We're going to read verses 9 through the end of the chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter number 5, and beginning in verse number 9. There the Bible says, Wherefore we labor, that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he have done, whether it be good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. But we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your consciences. For we commend not ourselves again unto you, but give you occasion to glory on our behalf. "...that you may have somewhat to answer them, which glory in appearance and not in heart. For whether we be beside ourselves, it is to God, or whether we be sober, it is for your cause. For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should not live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again." not imputing their trespasses unto them, and have committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be you reconciled to God, for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. I'd like to speak tonight on this thought, motives, for missions let's pray father in heaven we thank you lord for the blessing to be here tonight we thank you dear god for this place we thank you for the faithfulness of your people all these many years we pray your blessings upon Eastside baptist church we pray that your holy spirit now might take your word and apply it to our hearts speak to us and draw us closer to you we need you we know that apart from you we can do nothing and we commit ourselves to you tonight in jesus name amen you may be seated 1983, uh, there was a man named John Scully. And uh, John Scully, he was the president of PepsiCo Company in 1983. Uh, John Scully had basically worked his way up the ranks and, and uh, he had become the president of the company of uh, Pepsi. Uh, he was making very good salary at that time. And in fact, Pepsi was doing pretty good uh giving uh, coke a fair run for their money and giving them some competition at that time and so john scully was was pretty much on top of the world he's doing pretty well he had made a friendship at that time with a young man that was 27 years of age and uh, he had lunch with that young man and that young man really didn't never even finish college uh, he dropped out of college and uh, he was uh tinkering with a few things and he was trying to get a company going Uh, he had a few good ideas and uh the young man was trying to convince john scully to leave his job at pepsico and help him start this company and uh you might you know think just like mr scully thought you're crazy you know am i going to leave a six-figure salary and and the comfort of my job uh, to help this 27 year old kid but uh, they had lunch and then when they got done with lunch the young man said something to him that really impacted his life he said mr scully do you want to spend the rest of your life selling sugar water or do you want a chance to change the world well those words kind of just stuck with mr scully and uh, he kept thinking do you want to spend the rest of your life selling sugar water or do you want a chance to change the world well believe it or not those words motivated Mr. Scully to leave his job and to get on board with that 27-year-old kid and start Apple Company, which became, uh, which came out with the iPhone, the iPad, and Mac computers. In 1983, Mr. Scully uh, helped Steve Jobs launch Apple and uh those words do you want to spend the rest of your life selling sugar water or do you want a chance to change the world he'll tell you today those words are what motivated him and i believe that's what the apostle paul is trying to do to the corinthian church here in 2nd corinthians chapter 5 he's trying to motivate them to get involved in something that is bigger than just day-to-day selling sugar water Just day-to-day going to work, just day-to-day doing your job, just day-to-day doing things that may seem mundane. He's trying to wake up the church and get the church motivated to get involved in something that would literally change the world. I think the Lord that 1984, when I found that gospel track, it changed my world. It changed my life. And if any man be in Christ, like it says here in verse 17, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And that little gospel tract not only changed my life, but God used that incident in changing my life to change the direction of my life, which has resulted in many other lives being changed. Do you want to spend the rest of your life selling sugar water, or do you want a chance to change the world? And God is giving us here, and the Apostle Paul is trying to give the church motivated to see you have an opportunity through the gospel to literally change the world you have an opportunity to literally change the dynamics of somebody else's life which could change many which would have a domino effect and change many other lives he's trying to motivate us to look past just day to day like mr scully selling sugar water and look to something that would really impact lives for for uh, eternity And the Apostle Paul, he gives us five motivations here to which every one of us should be involved in missions. Maybe God won't call you, maybe God won't send you to the Amazon, or maybe God won't send you to Africa. But you know what? You can be involved in getting the gospel around the world. You can be involved in changing lives. If you look here in verse number 9, he is motivating the church. And he says, first of all, that we should be motivated... Verse number 9, to please God. Verse number 9, the Bible says, Wherefore we labor, that whether present or absent we may be accepted of him. You know, I heard a few years ago a pastor that said, You know, motives don't matter. All that matters are the results. But, you know, the Apostle Paul, I believe, teaches us different here. And the Bible teaches us different. You know, he teaches us over here. And if you look there in verse number uh, 11 or in verse number 12, it says, "...for we commend not ourselves again unto you, but give you occasion to glory in our behalf." That you may have somewhat to answer them with glory in appearance and not in heart. You know, God judges the hearts. God wants us to have the right motive, the right motivation uh, behind what we do. Well, first of all, He teaches us wherefore we labor. Why do we do what we do? Well, to be accepted of Him. That word "accepted" means well pleasing. You know, missions is pleasing to God. Missions is the heartbeat of God. God is burdened about reaching this world with the gospel. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You know, we should be motivated by what, uh, what pleases God. You know, Jesus, when he was here on the earth, he said, I do always those things which do please the Father. You know, our Lord, He was motivated to please His Heavenly Father. The Apostle Paul, He put it this way Do we seek to please men or God? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. You know, missions and soul winning and getting the gospel out, that pleases God. God is interested in reaching others with the gospel. We live in a day of political correctness where we want to please everybody, don't we? We want to please every group, every segment of society. You know, a while back, there was an atheist group that was up in arms uh, because they said, you know, Christmas have or the Christians have Christmas and the Jews have Hanukkah and the, the uh, Muslims, they have Ramadan. And they said that the atheists need a holiday so that they can celebrate atheism. And then somebody suggested April the 1st. The fool have said in his heart, there is no God, right? You know, we try to please, if we look to try to please everybody, we're going to please nobody. But if you seek to please God, you can hit the mark every time. And one thing that pleases God is reaching the lost. One thing that pleases God is when we give a gospel track out, when we tell somebody about Christ, when we get involved in world evangelism, when we give an offering to missions, that pleases Him. That pleases God. You know, there's several passages we see here in Scripture where we find this word "accepted." If you look over in in uh, chapter number uh, two of uh, First Timothy, that it is acceptable with God; it's pleasing to God when we intercede in behalf of others. When you intercede in behalf of getting the gospel out, there in First Timothy chapter two, verse two, the Bible says, "Well." verse 1 says i exhort therefore that first of all supplications prayers intercessions and giving of thanks be made for all men for kings and for all their in authority that you may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty for this is good and acceptable in the sight of god our savior you know it pleases god when we intercede you know William Carey God put a burden on his heart to go to India and to take the gospel to India how many of you have ever heard of William Carey William Carey is considered the father of modern missions and when he stood before a group of uh, pastors he said I'm going to go under I'm going to go into the well but he said I want you to stay here and hold the ropes.'" And there was a young man that at that time he was a young pastor and he started the First Baptist Missionary Society. And with the sole purpose of staying and holding the ropes "Why William Carey labored in India for 44 years preaching the gospel, translating scripture. He translated more scripture than any other missionary since has done. This was back in the 1500s. Many times we hear of William Carey as the father of modern missions, but we don't hear a whole lot about his sister, do we? William Carey's sister was quadriplegic. She couldn't. She was paralyzed. But William Carey's sister, every month, would write letters to her brother to encourage him and tell him that she was praying. How would she write letters? She would have to put a pen in her mouth, and she would write like this every month she was faithful to write her missionary brother every day she was faithful to get up in the wee hours of the morning and pray and intercede you know that is acceptable with god that's pleasing to god god wants us to be intercessors it pleases him When we pray for the missionaries, it pleases Him uh, when we surrender our lives. The Bible says in Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, I beseech ye therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. You know what? God gives his best to those who leave the choice up to him. Many times when we pray for God's will, we have the impression, well, God's just going to give me something that I know I'm going to hate. He's going to send me someplace where I know I'm not going to love. I'm not going to like being there. He's going to make me and force me to marry somebody that is, I know I'm not going to like that person, but I'm just going to do the will of God. You know, God isn't like that. He gives his best to those who leave the choice up to him. When we choose for ourselves, yeah, you can have second best. When we choose what we want to do with our lives, yeah, you can have second best. When we choose who we want to marry, yeah, you can have second best. But when we let God choose for us, He'll give us His best. He gives us His best because His will is perfect, His will is acceptable, His will is pleasing. We need to surrender to god's will it's kind of like that little boy that went in the pastor's office he's standing there with his mom and the pastor was was talking to the mom the whole time the little boy the whole time he was standing there looking at that jar of gumdrops on the pastor's desk and uh, he was just staring it down you could tell he wanted it and The pastor you know talking to mom he said hey son just put your hand in the jar there and get you one no problem he just kind of looked at it shook his head and A little while went by, and he said, Here, son, I'll take the lid off. Go ahead, put your hand in there. You can get your gumdrop. And he's just kind of bashful, you know, shook his head. And they talked for a while and got done talking to Mom and got ready to leave. He said, Son, I know you want some of those gumdrops. I'm going to give you some. So he reached his hand in there and gave it to the boy. The boy had to open his shirt, and he had to put it in his shirt like that. And they went walking out of the office, and Mom kind of nudged him and said, Son, why didn't you do what the pastor said? Why didn't you just put your hand in there? And he said, well, Mom, his hand's a lot bigger than mine. (laughs) Smart kid, right? You know, God's hand's a lot bigger than ours. A lot of times when we choose what we want, what our will is, yeah, you can settle for second best. But God gives his best to those when they let God choose, to those who leave the choice up to him. It's acceptable. It's pleasing. If you look in Philippians chapter number 4, the Bible tells also about another sacrifice that's pleasing to god if you look there in philippians chapter 4 if you know a little bit about the history of the church in the book of acts the apostle paul he wanted to go to asia minor to take the gospel but god made it very clear to paul that he wanted him to go to macedonia and when paul got to macedonia the first place he got to was a town called philippi and he started a little church there it never turned into a big church he started with a few ladies that were out there by the riverside god opened the heart of one of those ladies named lydia she received christ and then she received the apostle into her home to start that church in her home And that that little church went on to support the ministry of the Apostle Paul for many years. And he's writing back to the church there in Philippians chapter number 4 and verse 16. Well, read verse 15. The Bible says, "...now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica ye sent once and again unto my necessity." Look at this, he said, Not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor, a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. You know, God, the, the, the faith-promised mission, the offering that you give to missions, that is an offering unto God. That is acceptable, well pleasing to God. But God gives us a promise when we give that offering to Him. He says in verse number 19, But my God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. You know, this church had supported the Apostle Paul, they had sacrificed. It wasn't a rich church, they didn't have a lot of money, but they sacrificed, they gave through the ministry that the Apostle Paul was doing and getting the gospel throughout Europe. And the Apostle Paul writes back to that church to tell them, thank you, and the souls that were saved as a result will be fruit that it will abound to your account. But you know, the people that didn't have a part in that offering, that fruit's not going to be on their account. And that promise in verse 19 is not going to be for them Because he said, because you took care of God's business, in verse 19, he said, God will take care of you. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. You know, my friend, when you take care of God's business, God will take care of you. When you put God first, God will put your needs first. When you take care of God's work, God will take care of your needs. We started a church in Sao Paulo in the home of a dear lady. It's actually in her garage. We started with some kids, and then we began to reach some mothers, and then we began to reach a few people. We started that church with six people in that first month, and when we started the church there in Jardine, and Gom, we decided as a church, this is the first month. We didn't have a building. We didn't have anything. All we had was a few chairs and a garage. We decided that we were going to take a missionary on for support. We knew several national missionaries, Brazilian missionaries. And so that little group decided that we were going to support one missionary. That was the first month as the church started. A lot of my pastor's friends, they said, hey, you're crazy. You don't have a building. Why don't you put that money aside? so that you can buy property so you can build a building but we really believe in what god says right here that when we take care of god's business he will take care of us and god's business is getting the gospel to the ends of the earth And so we began to support national missionaries and god blessed the work we moved to another building we moved to a school for a while we rented a building And then within a couple years, the building next door was a big warehouse came up for sale. Which in Sao Paulo, that's almost impossible. It came up for sale, and they were wanting something like $120,000, which we didn't have any money. We had an old church van that we picked up people, and we we decided what we'll do. Maybe we could sell the van, put, put a down payment, negotiate with the owner, make payments on the property. So that's what we started doing. We we prayed about it. We signed a contract to to give a down payment. In 60 days, we had to come up with 60% of the value. Now, you do the math in your head 60% of the value of $120,000 is a lot of money. Well, we gave the down payment and we began to pray. And there was a young man in the church that had been reached through the bus ministry. We have a van ministry. He was 15 years of age when he was reached. He was, he, his mother is an alcoholic. She's a single mom. He began to come to church. He got saved. His mom got saved. They began to come to church. When he was 18 years of age, he, he found out that he was the fruit of an illicit affair. His mother had an affair with a man, and that man gave her money to abort him. She didn't use the money to abort him, and she had ADL. And Adiel was born and she raised him. He got saved when he was 15. Continued to come to church faithful. When he was 18, he found out who his father was. He had never known his father. He found out that his father had died the year previous. And because he was his legitimate son, that he received an inheritance of $800,000. His father was a multimillionaire. He didn't didn't even know it. This was a month after we signed the contract to buy the property. He found out he was going to receive. This is a Brazilian. I'm not talking about American. This is a Brazilian. He was going to receive this great quantity of money. And he called me. He said, Pastor, he said, first thing I want to do, I want to tithe. And I said, amen. (laughs) Great. So his tithe was enough to pay for that 60% of the building. Amen? That wasn't American money. That was from a poor, third-world, Brazilian bus kid. My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. You put God first, you put God's business first. You take care of God's business, God will take care of you. You know, I just don't want to... I've decided when I was a young Christian, I didn't want to just read the books about the missionaries and God doing miracles and God doing things. I want to see God do some miracles in my own life. And, you know, you can see God do some miracles in your life. When you put the principles that God has laid down... God is pleased in getting the gospel into all the world. That should motivate us to want to get involved in world evangelism. That should motivate us to want to get involved in the missions program of this church. But he tells us four other things real quickly I'll have to give to Him uh, What should motivate us there in 2 Corinthians chapter 5? First of all, we should be motivated to please him. Secondly, we should be motivated because we'll stand before him. Verse number 10, the Bible says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he have done, whether it be good or bad. Paul is telling this church, we need to think about eternity. You need to be concerned about investing in eternity. You know, Jesus said it, put it like this, the children of this generation are wiser than the children of light. Do you remember that parable where he talks about the unfaithful steward? because he did not when he was not faithful he was going to lose what he had you know we only many times we only give put value into things after we lose them we put value into your wife after you lose her you put value into a friendship after you lose it you put value into a job after you lose it well he was going to lose his job and so he began to plan for the future so that when he would lose his job he would at least have an income You know, Jesus said that we need to invest in eternity. You know, Coca-Cola is an amazing company. I I believe it was the brother that gave the statistic the other day at the other conference that their brand has reached something like 90% of the world. You know, if you go on the moon, there is a sign. Coca-Cola paid NASA to put a sign on the moon that says, drink Coke. I'm serious, I am dead serious. Their goal is to get their brand into all the world. I was in the middle of the Amazon one time with two pastors. And we were in a hut of uh, India, Tacuna, Indian, a place where they, the gospel was just getting there. And we were in this hut and we were sweating. And we were getting ready to eat some fish and manioc. And uh, they said, we're going to give the best piece. And you've got to understand, it was just very simple it was just a hut, and we were standing there, or most of us were standing. They had a bench there, and we sat down. And they said, we give the best piece of the fish to the guest of honor. So they set in front of me, a plate with the the head of the fish looking up at me. I was like, man, if you wink at me, I'm going to put your eye out. I said, I, I, told them, I said, well, I'm not the guest of honor. We have this pastor here. So we slid it on down to him. <laughs> But that pastor looked at me, and he had sweat dripping on He had been to, you know, Krispy Kreme donuts a few times, and so he was a little hefty. And he looked at me, and he was just wet with sweat, and he said, man, I'd give $20 for a Coca-Cola right now. Well, I told the Indian, I said, you ever heard of Coca-Cola? He called his little boy over there. little boy went running off in the jungle and came back 20 minutes later. I'm telling you, we were in the middle of nowhere. I mean, you you... You can't you have to use a sat military satellite phone to be able to talk to anybody. That's how far we were. But twenty minutes later he came back with a two-liter bottle of coke. I was like, man, where'd he go? Is there a 7 Eleven around the bend there of the river or what? His dad said no, he said about a month ago there was a there's a commercial boat that was coming by so we traded them some fish and they had coca-cola on their boat and so we put it in the banks of the river to keep it cold for a special occasion and you guys were here and so we wanted to give you some coca-cola and i told that pastor i said 20 bucks buddy pay up (laughs) (laughs) you know here's a place in the middle of the jungle they have coke but they have no hope they don't have christ And Jesus said that the people of this generation are in many ways wiser than children of light. They invest to get their name out. And we that have the gospel find it difficult to invest in missions, find it difficult to give an offering once a week or once a month to world evangelism. We're investing in eternity. Paul says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Remember that old hymn we used to sing? Must I go and empty handed? Must I meet my Savior's soul? Not one soul with which to greet him? Must I empty handed go? My friend, we'll stand before Christ and give an account. We're stewards of our treasures, of our time, and of our talents. But look, real quickly, verse number 11 knowing therefore the terror of the lord we persuade men but we are made manifest unto god i trust also are made manifest in your consciences thirdly we should be motivated by the reality of hell knowing therefore the terror of the lord you know ct Studd was a cricket player i don't know a whole lot about cricket i know a little about about baseball but he'd be comparable to a professional baseball player today he came to christ was very well known in his country. And after he came to Christ, he surrendered his life to be a missionary. He said, and he said these words, some want to live within the sound of church bells, but I want to run a rescue shop a yard from hell. You know, hell is a reality. And that should motivate us. You remember the story about the rich man Lazarus? The Bible said the rich man in hell lifting up his eyes. He said to Abraham... Father Abraham, send Lazarus to my house for I have five brethren, lest they come to this place of torment. That motivated him. The reality of hell motivated him to want to reach his family for the Lord Jesus Christ. That should motivate us, the reality of hell. But fourthly, we see, we should be motivated, verse 14, for the love of Christ constraineth us. Because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. The love of Christ should motivate us. His love for us, we love him because he first loved us. That should motivate us to want to serve him. That should motivate us to want to tell others. Have you ever seen a groom that's ashamed of his bride? You ever see, we've done many weddings. We have a group waiting for me to get back to Brazil because they're waiting to get married. We have like three or four couples wanting to get married. And I've never had a couple, a broom stand before the altar with a wedding ring and putting on his bride and say, Honey, I'm going to give you this, but I want you to know it cost me a fortune. I'll probably be paying for for it for (laughs) a few years because it, it was very cost. No, he gives it out of love. The love of Christ should constrain us, should motivate us. But lastly, we see we should be motivated because we are ambassadors for Christ. Verse number 20. Now then, ye are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, be you reconciled to God. We're ambassadors. God has left us here to be ambassadors for Christ. And the love of Christ should motivate us to at least get involved in world evangelism in our local church. At least get involved in giving out a, a track or telling others about Christ. In 2007, we had a group of men come down to Brazil, and three of them were doctors, and so we were doing clinics. And, and after the clinics, we do the clinics during the day, and then at night we'd have a service. And so we are in a village. We'd been working all day long, and one of the doctors, Dr. Allen, Uh, was there on his first trip and his pastor was there and his pastor said have dr allen uh, give a testimony and 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 preach so i went to him and i said doc pastor wants you to preach tonight he wants you to give a testimony And he laughed he said i'm not a preacher he said i'm a doctor i'm a medical doctor he said "Uh, i came here to use my skills he said i didn't come to preach you do the preaching and i said well you know preacher wants you to do that so uh you know you get up give your testimony i translate and whatever you say wrong i'll correct it in the translation so he said okay well i'll do it that way you know so so he got up and that place was just packed out full of people and he gave a very simple testimony very simple message and i gave the invitation there were five indian men that came forward and trusted christ i was telling doc allen what the lord did that night and He looked at me, and he just began to weep. He said, I never knew God could use me that way. He said, I never knew God could use me. He said, I I came here to use my medical skills, not as a preacher. He went back to Washington, D.C., to his job and to his family, and a month later, I got an email from Doc. and He said, you know what, last night, he said, ever since that trip, every day, I've thought, about those souls there in the Amazon dying without Christ and God burdened my heart that he could use me to make a difference. He surrendered his life to be a missionary. Doc Allen is on the mission field with his wife. His passing. I just spoke to him probably, what, two months ago. This has been, he's been there for like 10 years now. And he said, I'm having the time of my life. He said, I wish I would have done this sooner. You know what his pastor told me? He said, when Doc gave up his medical practice, he was making $350,000 a year. His wife was making $90,000 as a registered nurse. They gave up almost a half a million dollars a year. And left it all and went to the mission field to invest, in eternity. And many times we find it hard just to give an offering. Maybe God wants you to give up your job and go. But when the pastor gets up here and says we're we're having an offering for missions or faith promise, I don't even know if you practice face promise here. We find it difficult. And that man gave up a half a million dollars a year and he's living in a hut preaching the gospel. Investing in eternity. My friend, maybe God doesn't want you to go. But he certainly wants you to pray. He certainly wants you to give. He certainly wants you to invest in eternity. The love of Christ constrains us. Do you love the Lord? In 2 Corinthians 8.8, prove the sincerity of your love. For he proved his love when he left his home in heaven and came here for us. Let's pray. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.